You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because we all deserve to feel at home in our bodies. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 32 of Move With Radiance. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I hope you are having a great week so far. Um, I, if, you, if you listen to my stories at all on Instagram, you, you already know this, but last week, I just had a really interesting week. <laughs> and I found myself really sad a lot of the days last week. And I think, I mean, there, I feel like there's a few reasons for it, but ultimately I, yeah, I just felt really sad and I wanted to, I'm like kind of like starting right off (laughs) nice and heavy on this podcast today, but I, I just feel like this has been on my heart lately and I really want to talk about it just because I think sadness, especially for for women or crying, I guess for men, I mean, really at all sadness in general or crying or expressing that particular emotion has been, at least in my experience and in my own life has been kind of correlated with weakness. And, you know, I think a lot of times we hear, you know, you're so emotional and, um, you know, stop being such a, a girl or be a man and all this kind of stuff. And so, sadness for me for, I mean, sadness for me for so many years has been something that I've associated with weakness. And so therefore I've always pushed it down. (laughs) And so in the last few years or so, and especially within the last year for me, I've been really unearthing some stuff that I feel like I've suppressed for so long. And I feel like that's sort of what happened last week. And there's been such peace and such beauty and just allowing the sadness to be there and not shaming myself or judging myself or making myself wrong for it. And I think, I mean, that is something that I just want to keep talking about in terms of like expressing our emotions or really feeling out what we're feeling and, and letting the, the lower vibrating emotions or the lower vibrating frequencies in our bodies have that center stage. You know, it's so easy for us to let joy and, and happiness and excitement and these things that we've associated as good emotions. We let those, those have a space, but when it comes to these other ones that society or we've been sort of, um, told or are wrong or bad, or we shouldn't be feeling them. It's so easy to suppress them and push them down and not let them have this inner stage, but it's, they are equally as deserving of, of that space in the same way that happiness is. I just wanted to share that again here because for me, at least winter sometimes is really hard and I tend to find myself feeling a little bit sadder more often. And uh, I, mean, I know I'm not alone in that. So if you're feeling kind of those lower vibrating emotions, just know that they're allowed to be there. It's okay that they're there. You're not bad or wrong or overly emotional or whatever story you have around that. Just know it's, it's deserving of space. So allow it to be there. <laughs> With that, <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're going to hear today. Um, 
And before we jump into that, I just wanted to let you know, I've been talking about these Instagram lives and I am finally going to do them. <laughs> I, um, said I, this is kind of a fear of mine to go live and, and talk about stuff. It's just a little scary for me. So I'm challenging myself and I'm going to be going live on Instagram and I think I'm going to do on Facebook too, but that is going to happen, um, this coming Sunday. So if you're listening to this in in January, what's even the date? So if you're listening to this on the 24th of January, starting the 27th of January, this coming Sunday, I'm going to be going live on Instagram at 7:30 mountain time. I would love to have you there and I'm going to be going live for the next four Sundays. So we're talking about things like triggers and emotions and I haven't really decided what else, but, um, if you're, if you're wanting to just dig a little bit deeper in healing the relationship you have with yourself so that you can hear the heal relationship you have to food, exercise in your body, come on in and join me on those Insta lives. Now to today's episode. <laughs> I sat down with Sonny McCandless and we talk about all things fear, decision making, and creating the life you want to be living. I feel like fear is such a topic nowadays where it's like we see things like be fearless and F fear, you know, and it's like that is while they have good intentions behind them, it's not hundred percent realistic. And so I sit down with Sonny to talk about how, you know, why waiting until you're fearless that day will never actually come, <laughs> what it means to actually create a relationship with the fear, how to start identifying what is working and what isn't working in your life, the scarcity versus abundance mindset, how to set boundaries, decision-making to help you feel more aligned with what lights you up on this earth. Jomo, which is joy of missing out rather than FOMO, fear of missing out, and so much more. Um, I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you. And before we do so, let me tell you a little bit more about Sonny. Sonny McCandless has built a career around the intersection of life design and the outdoors. She works primarily as a transition coach, helping outdoor-focused individuals create meaningful change and navigate the doubts and concerns that constantly get in the way of feeling fulfilled. Sonny challenges clients to communicate more honestly with those around them and achieve goals that have been on the back burner for too long. Sonny is also the co-founder of Outwild, a community and annual festival which aims to provide people with the space and tools they need to create more outdoor and value-driven lifestyles. Sonny currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada, where she enjoys year-round rock climbing and endless desert views. I so hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Sonny. Okay, Sonny, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm really excited and honored that you're here and ready to dive into this conversation. We've got some good stuff today. Absolutely. Me too. I'm excited. Um, so before we dive in, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about you. Um, I know saying the word like your story is kind of a big question, but basically what got you to where you are today and, and what, what in, like inspired you to do the work that you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, I mean, I guess to start off, I I work as a life coach and I work with specifically people who, you know, 
are interested in the outdoors. And so that usually means kind of helping people create a more outdoor centric lifestyle. It might mean helping people find a career that aligns with their desire to be outside more or, you know, have a mission around the outdoors. Um, It can look a lot of different ways, but it's essentially about living more courageously and more intentionally. How do we actually put ourselves, you know, in the way of success, in the way of desire, um, do so in a really intentional way versus just kind of floating through and letting things progress. Um, and then there's that sort of like outdoor lens on that. Um, but I, I, I got here, um, I studied psychology in school at UNC Chapel Hill. And I actually, um, I really wanted to pursue a career in life coaching right out of college, but I had a lot of limiting beliefs around my ability to life coach, my ability to start my own business, my ability to, coach successfully as a young person. And so I, you know, I had a lot of other passions and interests. I was really interested in event planning and marketing. I ended up going to work for a startup in Seattle and I I loved that job. And I I did that for a couple of years. And then at some point I was, you know, I was like, I, I want to go the more unconventional style of working and then taking time off and then working and then taking time off. I don't want to be always beholden to a career in terms of the way I experience life. So I, um, I went on the road. I actually went on the road with my partner, um, who's a professional rock climber. So we did a lot of traveling and a lot of rock climbing. And at some point during that time, I was like, I, I need to get a job again. You know, it's time. Like I've worked through, you know, I'm, I'm not going below this number and I'm getting very close to that number. So I, I was like, I need to start working again. And I, I kind of had a really interesting conversation with a friend about coaching and she gave me the advice or she kind of said something to me that stuck with me, which was your job, which is not to give people advice. Your job as a life coach is to ask people the right questions, give them a foundation for seeing themselves differently, help them move forward, but always on their own terms. And so it does, she was like, you know, she was like, it doesn't matter how old you are to do that because it's not about life experience. In fact, in some ways you start to become biased. You know, if you've, if you have a very specific way of doing things, you often become biased towards, towards giving people advice. So anyway, long story short, I went to a coaching certification program and this summer I actually did, you know, this, I love working with people one-on-one and I would also like to work with people in group settings. And so, um, I, I kind of hooked up with some, some friends and we just, created um sort of the event workshop larger group version of coaching um that's called Outwild. Oh awesome. Yeah I recently saw that and I think that's really cool. I feel like we have some similarities in you know being in this traditional path and knowing deep mm-hmm. down that this is not exactly our calling and then just kind of trying something to get to where you want to be. And yeah. so I kind of want to start with this whole idea of going down that traditional path, right? So like a lot of people, they go to high school, they go to college, they get a job and they get married and they have kids and they just kind of go into autopilot mode with their life. Yeah. And how, I guess for someone who feels that that's where they should be based on the expectations set by society or set by whoever, how would you encourage them to listen to that calling? If they have that, you know, 
calling to do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite sayings is you, you know, irresponsibility and impracticality are not synonymous with passion. And I think so often in life, we, we think of a passionate lifestyle as an irresponsible lifestyle instead of actually just being really practical about it. What, what kind of career do I want for myself? Okay. Well, what's my skill set currently? Okay. Well, you know, how long would it take me to, to pursue that about this amount of time? Okay. Well, do I need a job in between there and now? Okay. Well, do I want to take time off and pursue that? Okay. Well, what's, you know, what's that number? I'm not willing to go below in my finances. How do I save up? Right. Being extraordinarily methodical about creating a passionate lifestyle. I think so often the second we have fear, our brain says, if I'm having fear, I should stop. That's a sign I'm going into territory I shouldn't be going into. And the way I see it is it's okay to have the fear. It's okay for it to be there. And you should still assess the situation and possibly consider taking a step forward and then seeing what comes up. Yeah. How do... I I love diving into the topic of fear because I think people see fear. And like you said, they're like, nope, that's, I'm I'm stopping there because that's what the fear is telling me. My body's trying, it's, it's a protector of sorts. So can we dive a little bit deeper in like the process of recognizing the fear and then like, how do we move forward? You know, like, how do we not let that stop us? Because I think, like you said, a lot of people get stuck there. (laughs) Totally. And I mean, I think that's where two things come into play. One, conversations and two, baby steps. I think that so often in life, we are we're really hard on ourselves and we, we'll like see an end goal and basically be like, well, why aren't I there? Like I'm not at the end. So I'm, I'm failing already. Instead of saying, maybe that end goal, that's, maybe that's five years away. It's totally okay to start prepping now for something that you want in five years. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to set an unreasonable timeline from the get go. What if you just kept this? What if you had an, an, an very intentional plan that slowly led you to getting to where you want to be at a pace that makes sense for you? Um, so, I mean, you know, one thing you're talking about fear coming up and you're talking about these like very traditional life templates. I mean, first of all, I say there's nothing wrong with traditional life templates mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with alternative life templates. They're both great if they're working for you. So the point is to assess like, is what I'm doing working for me? Am I happy? Am I feeling fulfilled? Am I satisfied? If not, what is it that I want? And then if that fear comes up, like for instance, people will be like, well, I want to start my own business, but I don't want to be homeless and living on the streets and starving. So I'm not going to. And they just went from zero to 60 and 3.5. You know what I mean? They just like, they just, they went straight to the absolute most catastrophic thing that would never really happen yeah. because they're never going to, I mean, they're not going to let that happen. You're going to be smart and practical and take steps. So you have to let that official, like let that initial response happen and then realize just how silly it is, right? Like, oh, okay. I'm probably not going to end up on the streets starving. I might run out of money. So that's okay. Let's make a plan for that. If I try out this business plan and I don't, and I'm not successful within one year and that's about how much savings I have. Okay. Well then I'm going to get this type of job and work on it on the side. 
or I'm going to, and that's okay. That can all be part of the process. So it's just saying, have that response. That's okay. Don't judge it. It's, it's, it's there for a reason. And then take a step back and go, well, what would be a realistic and practical way to approach this? What's step one? And then the other thing I said was have conversations. And that's just that I truly believe that unless we're telling people we're doing something, it's really hard to do it. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And the best way to do that is to just talk to people about things and tell you like, well, that would be awkward if I didn't try. So I better go try. Um, I always make jokes that I, I don't make decisions in life. I just... I just talk to people about things enough that then I'm like, yeah, it would be awkward if I didn't go do that now. So, so then I just go do it. And it's great because I never have to make a scary decision. I just kind of go with what I've been saying I was going to do anyway. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, something else I hear a lot that comes up is that, well, I'm just going to wait until I'm fearless or like this whole concept of like, getting, removing the fear entirely from our lives. And then I will do something, but like, unless that fear goes away, it's just going to keep preventing me. Like, what are your thoughts around that? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know anyone who's fearless. I really don't. And, um, you know, and my partner is a free solo rock climber who people are all the time like, Oh, he's fearless. And no, no one out there is fearless. And the idea that fear is a bad thing is not true. I think it's what is the story we tell ourselves around our fear, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, I rock climb, so it's easy for me to use that as a metaphor, but when you're up there climbing and maybe you're leading a route or you're, you know, you're on the wall and fear hits you, there's this immediate judgment. Like I shouldn't be scared so I should go back down. Like fear is a sign that I, again, I'm doing something like something is wrong. Instead, embrace that fear. Say, oh, I'm experiencing fear. That's probably a little bit why I'm here to actually experience something new and slightly exhilarating and be, you know, like, okay, but can I take one step forward? Am I actually in danger right now? Would it be okay for me to do, to just take, let me just do the next step forward with the fear. It can be my buddy. It can be, it can be here with me for this. That's okay. But it doesn't need to change how I make my decisions unless there's a really smart reason why it should. Yeah. It's, I think it's all about like creating a relationship with it and totally, or even like redefining the relationship. Like you get that choice. Right. Well, I mean, like one of my favorite, I mean, one of the number one things I hear in coaching is being uncomfortable is a bad thing. Mm. And I'm like, what if being uncomfortable is what we're all looking for? Mm. What if we, I mean, people are always like, I want this, I want that. A lot of it is just, I want something new and different that excites me and challenges me in ways that I'm not experiencing right now. And we're never going to get that if we don't let ourselves be uncomfortable. So I think being uncomfortable is a great thing. And it's something to be you know, occasionally sought out. Yeah. Because I think if you are uncomfortable, you're on the, I don't want to say right path, but you're, you're maybe heading in a direction that could be it's obviously like, new yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and exciting and something could be yeah. for you. So, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I think just first, at least in my personal experience, and I think for a lot of my listeners, 
we've lived from this place of expectations of others. And for me personally, I got to a point in my life where I was so caught up in people pleasing. I was so caught up in fear of rejection. So like constantly seeking other people's acceptance that I completely lost sight of who I was. And so it was this really long journey in figuring out, okay, well, do I like these things? What do I like? What makes me happy? You know, and going on that journey, have you worked with people who come to you and they're like, but I don't know what I want. You know, I don't know what I like. Or like, what would you say for someone who was like, where do I start with that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge part of the coaching process is, you know, first is the first question is what do I want? What is the thing I want to pursue with my fear at my side? Um, and I think that, I think ultimately we're always looking for like a quick fix. Like, like I'm going to tell you that there is an app out there that you take this quiz and it's going to tell you what you want at the end or something, right? Like we want it to be like, Oh, I'm going to find this thing and it's going to tell me what I want or I'm going to, and ultimately like it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be easy. And sometimes the best place to start is putting into putting in the work. And that might mean getting a journal and writing down the three things, like the three moments in your day where you had the most personal joy, mm. you know, not you watched someone else be joyful or not like you were happy because someone else was happy. I mean, and that might be part of it, but you know, where you experienced joy and, and just saying, oh, okay, well, it was when I, you know, felt this breeze. I just, it was this like single moment and it was this one breeze and I just felt so good. Or it was this moment where I dipped my toe into a puddle or when I ate a bite of this delicious breakfast sandwich, whatever it is. And, and maybe just start there because your body knows when you're feeling good. And if you have to start with kind of like, what, what did I feel today that I liked? What did I see today that I liked? What did I smell today? Maybe go back to those sensations. But anyway, just, I mean, a simple journaling exercise like that could be the start of figuring out what you want. We're so quick to judge. Like, I don't know what I want. And that means there's something wrong with me, which means I'm never going to be able to figure it out. And it's like that second thought, we immediately judged ourselves. If instead we just say, oh, I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. That's okay. I'm going to figure it out. It's going to come to me. And it's going to start by me not judging myself for not knowing what it is that I want. So taking out that journal, writing down those things, you know, doing an I am exercise. I am this. Just write until you can't think of a single other thing to fill that sentence. Um, you know, I do a lot of values exercise. What are your top five values in life? What do you give a shit about? Mm right? And not fear-based values, not things that you're afraid of not happening, things you want to happen, right? When I do values exercises with clients, I say, don't pick honesty because you're afraid of what happens when someone lies to you. Pick honesty if you actually love the type of conversation that comes when people are shooting straight from the hip or being really honest. Um, but those types of exercises, you know, that idea of figuring out those values and making sure it's coming from a place of desire and not anyone else's desire, that's going to help you figure out who you are and what you want. And it's, and it's, it's okay if it's not easy, but it's just those little steps that help you get there. Yeah. I think that was, I love that you said, don't pick the ones that 
you're afraid of, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we do come from this like scarcity fear-based place when it comes to making our decisions and choosing the things that we want in our life, because we're afraid of this, you know, right? like what would it feel like to think of it from a place of um, abundance instead of scarcity or fear or those types of things. So I think that's a really important right. question. Yeah. I mean, the scarcity mindset is a perfect way to, to talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Not, not what are you afraid of losing, but what do you actually want? Can we dig in, since we're on this topic, can we dig into scarcity versus abundance? I feel like, I don't think I've, I've talked about those two things, but I know from my personal experience for many years, I've lived in this mindset of scarcity and it's crazy how that dictated, dictated a lot of my anxiety or like those, it was just not a good place to live in. And so maybe we can dive into the difference between those two things. Yeah. I'm trying to think what my overall thought is on scarcity versus abundance. I mean, I think the thing that matters most is kind of scarcity or abundance with ourselves. Mm. I think sometimes we get into the mindset that there is not enough of us for what we need to do. There is not, we are not capable of giving enough or doing enough or, or thinking enough, figuring out enough, whatever it is, that there is some sort of lack personally that will make it so that we are never enough. And my favorite way to think about abundance is, and it's a little bit poetic. It's not, it's not like a, you know, coaching is oftentimes like very like strategic for me, you know, so it's very like practical and real. This is a little bit more of a poetic thought, more of a mantra that I would want to kind of think about if I was feeling not great about myself or something. But the idea that like, I am abundant, I can give abundantly to myself and to others, um, that I can, I can find solutions with abundance, that I can get creative with abundance, that there's no limit to how I can participate in this world. Um, When I start thinking about myself from a scarcity perspective, I feel tired. Mm. I feel like I'm running out of something. And I would much rather mentally think of myself as, you know, a fountain that never stops. That being said, the way you achieve that is boundaries. Mm. Don't give to the things that you don't ultimately care about. Give to the things that, because, you know, give to the things you do care about, because that is what's going to fuel that fountain. You know, it's when we start giving our time and energy to other people who don't appreciate us or respect us or, um, you know, or, areas of our life that we don't ultimately care about, that's when that fountain starts to run dry and we feel like there is scarcity. Yeah. I was talking to one of my coaches about this the other day, how I found myself recently kind of pendulum swinging from one side to the other where it's like my cup is full and I feel really abundant and really good. And then you drain all of that energy and all of a sudden you're completely depleted. And so it's all, I think I the, what I'm learning is there's this balance between that pendulum swing, you know, where mm-hmm. we don't have to completely deplete ourselves and then fill ourselves back up and deplete and then fill. Right. We can be on this like upward journey with little dips, but we don't have mm-hmm. to completely go from one side or the other. And so, yeah, 
making those small tweaks every single day can help keep that fountain filled and moving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, a friend once talked to me about, was talking to me about meditation Mm. and she said, you know, meditation is not the art of not like the idea of not having thoughts. That's, that's not how our brains work. Meditation is the idea of coming back to your body. Mm. It's about having thoughts but coming back to your body. And I think of balance as a really similar thing. Balance is not something that we achieve and then it's done. Balance is something we come back to when things get crazy. It's a, it's a status that we know we can sustain that we come back to whenever it's out of whack. Yeah. I think sometimes in, when we're doing this work, there's a lot of us who are very goal oriented. And sometimes I think we can get to this place where we're like, I just want to achieve personal development. I just want to get to that end goal. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to remember it is a daily minute by minute, even process of constantly just coming back to that awareness. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to, we don't, we're never going to achieve a, the perfect state of like we're never going to achieve that. Right. <laughs> it's like a constant thing. So I think that that's a really important reminder is yeah. Just at the end of the day, it's always about coming back to the, yeah. to the present moment, coming back to your body. Um, yeah. Just coming back. <laughs> right. And I mean, and that's where, I mean, I really can't, I can't come back to it enough. I can't emphasize enough, but that's where boundaries come into play. Mm-hmm. The thing about boundaries, I mean, it, it's kind of a loaded word, but so often in life, we think of boundaries as something that we have to apologize for. Mm. Like, like I talk with people who, you know, work crazy jobs a lot. And I say, how would it feel if you took your calendar and you blocked off a section at the beginning of the day and the end of the day? And it was just like, you know, this is like off time. You cannot contact me during these hours. You cannot set meetings during these hours, you know, and and their first thought is like, well, I might want to like maybe email my team and tell them I was going to do that because something's going on at home or, you know, I'm like, what if you didn't have to apologize? What if that's just, because the thing is, is that people feed off of what we give them. So if I say I'm not available after 6 PM in the evening, um, but I'm really happy to work with you in the afternoon, you know, today or whatever it is, and then they'll be like, Oh, Okay. But if I say, I'm so sorry, I like, I, I just, things are busy and I, I, I it's just been a crazy week and I, I probably can't meet. Then they're going to be like, well, all right. You know, they're going to reflect back the fact that I'm apologizing for it, that I'm acting like it's a bad thing, that I'm acting like I failed somehow. And that's why I have boundaries. Mm-hmm. No, if we confidently with a lot of, you know, just c- composure and poise and grace say, this is when I'm available to the world. I'm not, I, I don't have to apologize for that. And I can be so present when I'm there and so gone when I'm not, then that's what people will pick up on. And they will assume it's okay because we're acting okay about it. And I think ultimately like this idea of scarcity, especially around time, like how do we create more time? That's how is we, is we create boundaries around things unapologetically. Mm, I love the word unapologetically. I have been exploring more and more how often just in our day-to-day lives that we say, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, I bumped into, Oh, I'm sorry. Or like you don't, I don't know. It's just, I'm sorry. Especially I think for women come out, it comes out so fast. It's almost like we're apologizing for taking up space. Yeah. And so I love that you said, just say it. It's like, we don't have to apologize for taking care of ourselves and creating. Yeah, for having a life. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, we don't have to apologize for taking up space. And I think that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how often we feel the need that's, you know, self, um, like, let's see, being a good person means self-sacrifice. Like that is how we see it to be a good person. You must sacrifice yourself. And I say that, what if that is so untrue and the opposite is what's really true, that you are capable of the most kindness and the most compassion and you give the most when you've taken care of yourself first. And that's why you're not apologizing because you're doing them a favor. Like I'm going to be a much better person to work with or to hang out with for dinner or whatever it is if I've taken care of myself and set these boundaries first. Yeah. And then I think also you can give from a better place too. Like people read energy so easily. And then Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're like operating on depleted and you're giving and giving and giving, it almost comes from a place of resentment. Mm -hmm. At least I've found. Oh yeah. But when it's full, you're, you're full and you're giving from this place of love because you've taken care of yourself first. There's a whole different like energy behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think like the best metaphor of all time is when you're on the plane, you need to put your oxygen mask on before you help others, right? Because you are no help to anyone if you're, if you're starving yourself of oxygen. Yeah, for sure. And, and so you just have to, I mean, it's just this like, let go of the martyr syndrome. Like it's really not helping anyone. It's really not. They're not grateful that you're sacrificing. I mean, that's what my, my, my what, like one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody does something they don't want to do. Mm. Like, I don't want to go to dinner with you. If you don't want to go to dinner with me, I would much rather you take care of yourself tonight. Like you're my friend. I want you to be happy. Like don't, don't just be like, well, I told her I'd see her or whatever it is. You know, I mean, that's, that's my pet peeve. I don't want anybody to be the martyr. I want everybody to take care of themselves so that we can all show up and be present with each other when we are there. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So if we're going to go back, I want to go back to boundaries a little bit because Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've thrown that word around, but maybe we can talk about just maybe in your life or things you've seen with other people, just some really simple boundaries that people can set in their lives. I mean, again, it's a case by case basis, but just things that you've done maybe that can show people it's like, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It can just be these little small things that make a big difference in putting ourselves first. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I think it starts with this idea of like our group, Right. So, you know, if you think about all the groups in your life, like your work group and your friend group and your family group and your partner group, like let's start with those. There's this idea that, you know, to be fully committed and part of that group, you must give a lot of time. And I think the easiest boundary to set is to say it's not about quantity, it's about quality. What if I gave to those groups? only as much as I could. But when I was there, I was fully present. I was, I was, I was there. I was in the moment I wanted to be there because that was my time dedicated towards that. 
And I think what happens is that we want to, you know, we're like, well, everybody at work is going out for drinks after work. So I probably need to go to drinks and then I need to go to the gym because, you know, I have 25 minutes to move my body and then I need, I'm going to make dinner for my partner. And then, um, you know, I need to call this friend who I haven't talked to in a while. And then, and then suddenly your day is just this to-do list that you're checking off. Well, what if it started with, you know what, like once a month I do go out for drinks with my coworkers and all of the other nights that I don't, I don't apologize for it. I'm just like, great. See you guys later. And it's, again, it's like, if you don't apologize for it, then they're just like, cool. That's how Sonny lives her life. She doesn't, you know, she's not the person that comes to everything, but man, when she's there, she's, she's so much fun. We have a great time with her. And being that person instead of the person who's there all the time, but a complete zombie for 95% of it. So it's choosing to be that person, choosing to be that person that's, that just chooses quality over quantity. And then, you know, with your friend group, you know, like, well, I really wanted to work on this side project, but all my friends are going to the beach. Okay. Well, what if you met up with them for coffee before they go? And then you worked on that side project and you did so unapologetically. I mean, I, I just learned this new term. I mean, I feel like a couple of years ago, FOMO was like huge, right? Fear of missing out. Like we don't, we have to be everywhere at all times or we're missing out. And we know we're missing out because the social media world like emphasizes what you're missing. So it's like a concept that arose from this, you know, from social media. And I just learned JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. Mm. And I love it. Because I'm like, I have JOMO. Yeah. Like when I'm in bed with my book and, and I didn't go to the thing I didn't want to go to, I'm having JOMO. I'm so happy with that decision because, you know, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel great and I'm going to go about my day. And um, I think we all have a person, sometimes we all have a person in our life who demonstrates this well. It's, it's the person who just, you know, you're all hanging out and then suddenly in the middle of something, they get up and they're like, cool, I got to go. And everyone else is like, well, don't you think we should like linger here a little bit longer? And like, we could still drag this out. But that person has like set that boundary of like, I'm going to be home by this time. And you, you realize like, I never judge that person. I'm never angry at them. They just go do their thing. And I just know that they're that person that's always kind of on their own program. But it's great because when I see them, they're there. They're there for me. And it's about, you know, becoming that person. And I think, so with boundaries, you know, the easiest way to set them is to look at your groups and to really start thinking about, again, you know, quality over quantity. I'm going to set these boundaries at work. I'm going to work my butt off when I'm there. And then I'm going to go home. You know, I'm going to hang out with my friends on these days and I'm going to have a great time. But then when it's time for me to go to bed or when it's time for me to go do my, my workout, I'm going to go do that. And then my other favorite thing with boundaries is combine the things that you love. You know, if you want to make sure you're getting your workout in and you also want to see your friends and, you know, start setting the trend of saying, oh, let's go, let's go to a yoga class together and then grab tea or whatever, you know, or let's do a, let's just like walk around the park as our hangout activity instead of things that might not make you feel as healthy, like going to the bar or something like that. Yeah. I love, yes. I like splitting it up into groups is a really good way to think about it because I think it can get overwhelming to say, okay, I'm going to just start setting boundaries. And until we're clear of what might be taking up most of our time and what might be draining our energy the most, then it's hard to create the boundaries. So splitting it up and making it into more bite-sized pieces, I think is a really great way to look at it. And it's... Right. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to add, I mean, one of the categories I didn't talk about that I think is really relevant for a lot of people is like the family category, including children, like including, including your kids. And that's a much harder boundary to draw because it's your kid and you want to be there and do everything for them. But again, like put your mask on before you put on theirs. You're going to be a much better parent to them if you've taken care of yourself first. And truly, and, and you're going to be a great example for that. Because, you know, a great example for them. Because one day you're going to want to make sure that they're doing self-care. So you need to demonstrate self-care to them and say, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to hang out with you from, you know, from after school to 8 p.m., but be on my phone. Mm. I'm going to I'm gonna create a clear boundary around, well, I have one more hour of work and I'm going to get a sitter then or I'm going to like, we're going to have some like really designated mom-kid boundaries right then, which I know are hard to establish, but like, you know, at least trying and then saying, but then from, from seven to eight, I am 100% spending time with my kid. And that's, you know, that's dedicated time. That's like phone is off and away time. So, you know, everybody's going to figure it out differently. But I think that's another one where, of course, it's tricky. Boundaries are not easy. And I would never tell anybody that they're easy. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and create them. Yeah. And I think that then that comes full circle where if we're starting to, I think a lot of us, maybe you mentioned this in the beginning about um, not having enough time or this Mm -hmm. time kind of being this thing. And I think a lot of us forget that we, we are the creators of our time. And, right. and so if we start creating these boundaries, all of a sudden we're creating more time to then devote to right. ourselves and start creating the life that we want. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. I have a couple more questions kind of in this I guess we're going off a little bit, but still on the same topic. But I know you, um, you use the word intentional living. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to you? I guess we'll, we'll start with that one. What, what does intentional living mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so intentional living to me is not accept, and it's kind of, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but not accepting the natural flow of life right? It's about questioning natural flow of life and deciding if you want to accept that or not. So for instance, let's say you're at a job and there is a very natural place at some point in that job where you're going to get a promotion or you're going to get a raise and then saying, you know, or you're going to get a job title change. Intentional living is saying just because society says that that is a good thing because we love levels and we love working up levels, you know, like that, that's what like society wants us to do does not mean that that's actually what I want. It's about saying, questioning that. Well, with a job title change, I'm going to have more responsibilities. There might be more time expected of me at the office. I might get offered more vacation time, but I might not necessarily be actually have the opportunity to use it. I would be maybe going deeper into a career that maybe I don't even find that fulfilling. Mm. But because society has presented this as a, oh, this is the next step, so you should obviously take it, we often just move forward with that. And intentional living is a process of saying, is this what I actually want? And if not, then like, what could I do instead? Yes. And 
I love too. You said this in, you said this on your website, but you say like referring to life and what you do, like it can be perfectly created by you. Yeah. And I think we forget that sometimes because we are so, Oh, next level. I got to accept that promotion. I got to do this. I got to do that. That we forget that, wait, I can create the kind of life that I want. I can make those decisions. Yeah. And that's a really right. powerful thing to believe <laughs> and live from right. that place. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, a lot of people come to me and they go, you know, everything you're talking about is a place of privilege, right? Like you have to have privilege and opportunity and cushion and protection and safety nets to live life that way. And the way I see it is, yeah, absolutely. You know, privilege makes this easier. Of course it does. Safety nets make this easier. Uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, a family that can catch you if you fall or friends that can catch you if you fall. Yeah, of course. But I would never want to say that that means you shouldn't pursue it. Mm. I think it's going to be harder for some people. I think it's going to be way easier for other people. And that's that sucks. I wish it wasn't that way. I do. I wish that we had universal base income or, or whatever it was ways for the, so that we could all be starting on a more, you know, or, a, a, you know, a, you know, a more equal playing field. And I think why well, I want to work towards that. But in the meantime, I still think even if, you know, it's going to be a little bit trickier, if you're going to have to be more creative, if you're going to have to, you know, create a longer term plan or think about things a little bit more carefully or whatever it is, work a little bit harder. Yeah. And I feel for you and I want to support you through that, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go after it. And I wish it wasn't so different for different people, but at the same time, I want that for everyone. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I think like something that held me back for so long is I have student loan debt. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't pursue my dreams because of all of these fears of, well, I'm not gonna be able to pay this and and you go down the rabbit hole. And then all of a sudden you're like waking up in the same job that you're like wanting to bang your head against the wall. Right. And not pursuing the things that you want because of these things. But I absolutely think like, it might be a little bit more trickier. There might be a longer timeline, but don't let those things stop you. Yeah, exactly. And I think this comes up, especially for parents again, right? Like, well, I can't really put myself first. I have a kid to take care of. It's really easy. Like you don't have a kid, you don't get it. And I don't have kids. And so I'm sure there are things I don't understand, but I also know that don't we want to demonstrate for our kids what it's like to live a passionate and happy and fulfilling lifestyle? Don't we want to show them to do their dreams no matter what? Don't we want to show them that there are ways to be smart and practical and passionate don't we want to show them what all of those things are you know in some ways demonstrating for them a world where you sacrifice everything for someone else Mm. I mean that's not what you want them to do you want them to be fulfilled and satisfied and the best way to do that is to is to have them be part of that process with you bring them in on it talk to them about it. Kids are so much smarter and like they say the most profound things that you'll never hear coming out of an adult's mouth. I mean, bring them into the fold, talk to them about the process, talk to them about, you know, how do you make a decision that is both passionate and practical? How do you do that? I don't know. Let's get creative. Maybe we're going to have to think about things. We, you know, see this in a whole new light, but, um, 
I think that's a big part of it for, I, I just, I get a lot of feedback of like people with kids being like, this doesn't apply to me. And I always just like to say like, no, like this can apply to you too. Yeah. I love that. I love the bring, bring them along with you. Like let them be a part of this journey and show them. Right. Yeah. How to be like, learn with them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, and this is, might be a side tangent a little bit, but I think I've, I've had this like I love watching kids experience life because there's so much that they see that I think we've lost in terms of just play and, and the way they just see things and all of that kind of stuff. So they might bring a whole new perspective in this journey with you, you know, and bringing back oh, yeah. the play aspect of it all. Totally. I mean, the difference between kids and adults is that Adults think they have to have all the answers, right? right? And kids don't. Kids ask. And that's one of the first things I tell my clients when they come to me with something like this. I'll be like, what are your resources? Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Why would you try and reinvent the wheel? Don't do that. No. Like you go to people who have done this before and ask them what they did. Find mentors, ask questions. And demonstrating for a child that you can go into adulthood and still ask questions and you don't have to have all the answers. A, I mean, that's like a big step away from the ego. Yep. It's about learning, you know, to see other people as having value and information that could help you. But B, it's, I mean, that's, that's smart. That's just a good way to live your life is to just to never assume you have all the answers and you don't have to have all the answers in front of your child either. That maybe showing them that you're going to your, you know, you're going to mentors, you're asking questions, you're thinking through things methodically that, you know, that's, those are lifelong skills. And just learning how to be curious again, because curiosity Mm -hmm. can share, show so much. And I think that removes the judgment piece too, instead being judgmental and uh, you're like, Oh, why? Huh? I'm being curious, like asking questions and coming from that place. It makes things so much more, you experience it in such a different way and you're totally. less hard on yourself too. I think in that. Process. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> but, so I'm looking at time and we're, I seriously, I say this every interview. It's so funny. People are probably like, how shouldn't you know this by now? But I feel like it goes so fast. And um, I have a few more questions, but I don't, I know we have a hard stop. So is there any, I have two questions final for you. Um, is there anything else you would like to say to everyone listening? And then where can people find you if they want to connect? Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. One of the things I was thinking about when I read your email about who your podcast is for and about it being for women who struggle with the idea of perfectionism Mm. for women who, you know, who do want to have all the answers, who want to live up to every single expectation. I mean, I I had this mantra come to me today and I was like, it's kind of funny, but the mantra was, it's okay to drop balls. I love that. (laughs) Like sometimes you can't do everything. And whatever, whatever story is telling yourself that you should do everything is lying to you. It is 100% okay to drop balls. If your kid gets to school a little bit late one day, if you, you know, if you forget to respond to that email, if you, if you forget to call your friend on their birthday, I mean, we beat ourselves up for the craziest things. And you know what? It's okay to drop balls. 
you just don't have to do it all. You really don't. It's about, you know, trying your best and being your best and then, and that's okay. And it's a weird, I mean, it's a weird thing to say because so often people are like, be everything, do more, you can, but the way that we get to doing the most is by accepting that we can't do everything. You know, the way you get to doing what you love and having a fulfilling and satisfying lifestyle is by cutting out the stuff that isn't fulfilling and saying, if I drop a ball there, that's, you know, that's okay. So that was something that I was thinking about today um, in terms of just like this audience and that struggle with perfectionism. And it's okay that it's there. And um, it's also something, you know, worth exploring, you know, whether it's through journaling or talking to a coach or talking to a therapist or talking to your friends, but finding ways to help you let go of those never ending expectations and making that a top priority because it's going to be a lot easier on the other side. Um, so that's, I think that's something that I, I, I wanted to say today, who knows, maybe later I'll be like, what a terrible message to tell people. I don't know. What was I thinking? But that's, that's what came to me today. Um, as far, yeah, good. Um, as far as finding me, um, my website is sonnymccandless.com or if you're interested in attending an Outwild event where we have conversations like this, but, um, kind of tied back to the outdoors, go to outwild.co. Awesome. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having this conversation today. I feel like we went in a lot of different directions, but I think it all just comes back to what you said. Like it's okay to drop balls. It's okay to have, you know, not meet everyone's expectations and it's okay to set boundaries because yeah, in the end, like if we're operating from that depleted place and constantly living there, I don't think it's possible to get clear on what we want and then start working towards it because we're so stuck in that mindset. Exactly. That was a great summary. I'm like, wow, that was like, <laughs> I wish I could summarize my coaching sessions like that. <laughs> I was like, sometimes it all just comes to me and other times I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. It's okay to drop balls. <laughs> exactly. Done. Point of the story. <laughs> um, well, thank you so, so much for being here. I'm so honored that you took time out of your your craziness right now to talk with me and, and everyone listening. So thank you so much. <laughs> I thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I think what you're doing is so awesome. I mean, podcasts are such a good way to talk to people. I feel like having people's voices in your head is this weirdly intimate experience. And um, I think it's really cool and it's a really good message. So thanks for inviting me and asking such thoughtful questions. Of course. Um, well, thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. Bye. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.